Dr. John Raymond joins us in the studio coming up here at 445, a little bit less than 30 minutes from now. Dr. John Raymond will be with us in the studio. So this week is the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq, or as soldiers call it, the liberation of Iraq. That happened 20 years ago. So yesterday at the War Memorial in downtown Milwaukee, they had a big ceremony, and it was to honor those that died from Wisconsin in the liberation of Iraq. There were 91, 91 service members that died over the eight years that the war was primarily fought. And they had speakers. They played taps. They did all that. And part of what they did was they have a big famous bell there that was on the USS Milwaukee. And they ring it on special occasions. They ring it on the anniversary of 9-11 every year. I think they ring it on Pearl Harbor Day. And they decided yesterday to ring it 91 times for the 91 service members that passed away. And I was honored because they asked me if I would be one of the people to ring the bell. And I picked 18 people, and we each rang the bell five times. And then one person, the leader of the war memorial, rang the bell once, the final time. That's how they got to the 91. So this is the ringing of the bell yesterday at the war memorial on Milwaukee's lakefront. That is a veteran who is ringing the bell, and others lined up. And I, they asked me to ring the bell because I was embedded with a military unit during the war. And the guy who runs the war memorial and I are friends. So at first he asked me, and I said, I don't want to ring the bell. I said, I think you should have veterans ring the bell. Why, why would I ring the bell? I don't want to ring the bell. And he said, would you please ring the bell? Because we think that what journalists do is important. And you shared the stories with the men and women with their families while they were so far overseas. And so reluctantly, I did. And it was an honor and a privilege. I found myself during that moment thinking about some of those 91 that lost their lives from our state. The unit that I was with was a combat engineer battalion. And when we went to Iraq, first we went to Kuwait, and we staged in Kuwait, our unit did. And you get used to the climate and being in the Middle East, and then eventually you go into Baghdad. How long do you stay in Kuwait? A month. So wow. we were there like almost a month. So Captain Dan Buttrey was in charge of our battalion, but then he had lieutenants that were in charge of platoons, smaller groups of men. One of them was named Ryan Straseski. So we're in Kuwait, and we're getting ready to go. We get our orders that you're going north of Baghdad, and you're going to ship out. No one can find Ryan Straseski. And Captain Dan's losing his mind. Where's my lieutenant? How can I not find my lieutenant? We need to get out of the sandy tents of Kuwait, and we need to get in our Humvee convoys and proceed into Baghdad. Eventually, he finds out that he cannot find his lieutenant, Ryan Straseski, because Ryan Straseski was on a flight home to escort his brother home from Iraq. His brother was Kirk Straseski, graduated from Beaver Dam High School, fulfilled his childhood dream of becoming a Marine. And in May of 2003, he was the first Wisconsinite to die in Iraq. He was in a Marine Chinook helicopter, a big old helicopter, and it was flying and had engine trouble, and it crashed into a canal. Crashed in the canal, and his fellow Marines fell out and were sprawled out unconscious. They were in the canal, and the canal was 10 feet deep, Oof. full of water. So he jumped into the canal, rescued several crew members, dragged them to the side, got them out of the water, went back for the last couple, and he drowned. Oh, my. So Kirk Straseski drowned after saving several of his former Marines. He was 23 years old, the first Wisconsinite to die in Iraq. And his brother was Ryan, 
who was a lieutenant in our unit, and he went home. He flew his brother's remains home. They let him do that. And then they said, take some time off, soldier. And he said, no, I need to go back with my unit. He took his brother home. They had the funeral, and he turned around and came right back to Iraq and served with us. I interviewed him for reports that I did for TV. So I find myself thinking about Kirk Straseski, the first casualty. What dedication, what devotion all the way around from the heroic rescuing and and selflessness and then his brother equally selfless going, Mm -hmm. appreciate the time, but I've got a job to do. Yeah, duty, right? I have a mission. I need to go back and be with my guys. So then I found myself thinking as the bells were ringing about Michelle Whitmer. So there were three sisters from the Milwaukee area that went off to war in Iraq. Three sisters. They were Michelle and Chastity Whitmer. They were twins. And their older sister, Rachel. And they were in their 20s. And they were all in the same unit. It was a military police unit, the 32nd Army National Guard Military Police Unit, based in Baghdad. These three girls were military police officers in Baghdad. April 9th, 2004. Michelle's squad was called in to help protect an Iraqi police station that was being overrun. So Michelle Whitmer was usually a driver of one of these massive Humvees. They shuffled the crew around, and she was ordered to man the vehicle's gun, that big machine gun. You see that in the back of the Humvees, and she's sitting up top in all her helmet and her armor. They go into Baghdad, and they're ambushed. And Michelle was killed in Baghdad. Her sisters were in the same unit, and they were back at the base. And the unit came back, and they saw that Michelle was no longer riding gun in the Humvee. They couldn't see Michelle anywhere in the convoy. Someone had to pull the sisters aside and say, your sister didn't make it. She died an hour ago after being ambushed in the middle of Baghdad. And so the sisters then had to deal with that. So then those sisters escorted her back to Milwaukee. Mm. And they continued their service also. They saw her back to Milwaukee, and then they continued to serve. Michelle Whitmer was the first female soldier to die from Wisconsin since Vietnam. And she was one of the 91 that we rang the bell for. So on those days, on yesterday and this week, because the war really ratcheted up 20 years ago this week, I find myself thinking of people like Kirk Straseski and Michelle Whitmer and the 89 others who we don't even know their name that made the ultimate sacrifice. We all talk about honoring the flag. We all talk about being the power in the world. They wore the flag. They were the power in the world. And they did not come home. I mean, they made the ultimate sacrifice. They gave everything literally and did not come home. And in both of those two cases, they had loved ones that continued to serve. They had brothers and sisters that continued to serve. So when you hear the bell bell toll, when you see the flag fly, man, don't let politics get involved in the middle of it. Think about those that made the sacrifice and those that never, ever came home. And how wonderful for you to have the opportunity. You You were as equally humble as the service people that you've been talking about because you were selected to go and tell these stories 
and we all know how dedicated you are to the honor flight. So um, Dan Buttery at the War Memorial is right. You you are part of this, and we are getting texts on the old National Bank Talk and text line, 855-616-1620, of people who are moved by your story now, and uh, someone from 920 saying, thank you very much for ringing the bell. Our son was one of the 91. Oh, my gosh. And Lance Corporal Brent T. Vroman. God bless you, parents. God bless you. You're literally in my prayers right now. Because for wow. all of the service people that mm. have given the ultimate sacrifice, there are those family and the friends who are proud of them, yet still achingly miss them. Yep. Lance Corporal Brent Vroman. God bless you and God bless his family. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. Everybody ever have one of those moments where you're just kind of sitting at home, maybe with your kids, and something kind of crazy happens? Matzik, ever have one of those moments? Yeah, what was the show? Kids say the darndest things. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. they, yeah they sure do. <laughs> uh, so Riley dropped her first F-bomb the other day. What? And she's eight years old. Your little beautiful Riley? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> what happened? So here's the story. So it, it, word problems are very common now in second grade. As part of learning math, there are word problems. And... In doing Riley's homework or reviewing her homework over the weekend, she was going through her word problems, and Emily was in the kitchen just kind of straightening things up. I was folding laundry, sitting on the ottoman. I think Kendall was upstairs putting some clothes away, and Riley was sitting at the breakfast bar in our kitchen on a stool going through her homework with Emily. And one of the word problems was, uh, was a duck... And his ten friends were hanging out in Wisconsin, and four ducks flew south for the winter. How many ducks were left in Wisconsin? (laughs) And so Riley's going through, and she got the answer right. She's good in math. And she said about a boy in her class, who shall remain nameless, (laughs) changed the word duck. Right, he crossed out the letter D and wrote in the letter F, and he was immediately sent to the principal's (laughs) office. Okay, great. But Riley is telling the story. Yeah, he crossed out the D and put the word F, and then she says the word. So it says, so now I'm sitting, I'm folding laundry, right? And I'm I'm balling up socks. (laughs) Emily is just getting stuff organized. We're going to have dinner pretty soon. Kendall's upstairs. What did you say? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And she said the actual word. She did. Now, she didn't say it in the context of being frustrated or annoyed or or anything like that. She just explained what happened in class. She's quoting the boy, yeah. So now now Emily and I have to make eye contact and figure out, okay, what's the next thing to come out of our mouths? (laughs) Because we don't want that to happen again. (laughs) Right. Because typically laughing only encourages it, right? Uh, It does, right? And makes you feel like, oh, that's okay. I thought I was laughing. Yeah. So I didn't say a word. Uh, In fact, I went into the room and I went to bed, and it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Just avoid the whole situation. Let it blow up. Mom, this one's yours. I did not say anything. And Emily's very good at this kind of stuff. And she just said, well, what happened to the boy who did that? I went to the principal's office. Did he get in big trouble? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So do we want to use that word? You you saw what happened to the boy who did use that word, and that was bad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you want to use that word? Well, no. What a great way to handle it. So uh, Emily did it brilliantly. And we didn't want to overreact. We didn't want to say, you absolutely can't do this, that, or the other thing. We talked through the situation, or Emily did. 
Uh, meanwhile, Kendall's like two states away, and she yells, what does it mean? What is that word? Right? She's six, so th- this has not come through her vernacular just yet at the kindergarten level. And that's a whole other conversation we had to diffuse. And don't worry about it. It's nothing, but uh-huh. just, it, it's not a polite word to say. You will uh-huh. get in trouble if you say it, as evidenced by the little boy. So my wonder is, I- I'm trying to remember the first time I used that word in a setting, what the setting was and what my punishment was. Yeah. If you can remember that, if you had to diffuse it, John, as the, the father of two twin girls, and, and how was it used? So it was very innocent. It was not used in context of frustration. It was a story that our daughter was telling yeah. us that happened to include a word she should not say. But then there was a situation you had to immediately, with no warning, <laughs> like, deal what? with, like figure out on the spot. Like, can't we just have dinner? Like, we're we're yeah. warming up some chicken, right? Hey, can we just focus on yeah. that? I'll cook the pasta. Daddy's folding socks. I, I mean, folding I, socks. I, I'm making sure the blues don't get folded with the blacks. I'm very yes. busy over here. I'm glad her classmate could, you know, lead by example, so that way you, you know, he taught the lesson for everyone by getting yeah. in trouble by using the word. I don't remember the first time I used the word, but I remember the first time I almost did as a very little girl. You remember that song, The Name Game? <laughs> John, John, Boban, Banana, oh, Fana, sure. Fun. So yeah, yeah. I was riding the bus with my mom, and I'm I'm singing John. I'm singing my mom's name, Linda, Linda, Bobinda. And then I'm like, I'm going to sing Dad's name. Dad's name is Chuck. Yeah. Oh, no. And my mom simply looked at me and put her hand on my legs like, let's not. Just gives me that gentle, like, let's not. So I'm, I'm sure the rest of the passengers were, like, gearing up there, like, here she goes. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so Chuck. I remember almost singing the name oh, game for, for Chuck, my dad's name, but I did not. Your mom saved you. Yes. Moms all of us. In both of your stories. That's the common denominator. Moms were the... Uh... The winner. I, it's, I was just not prepared for the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't say a word. Emily handled it. I was ready. Uh, but I didn't want to overreact. Like that, It's a very important time. Like you got to handle that one correctly. And the clutch part is that uh, your girls are so beautiful that I, I can't, I'm sitting here, I can't picture them saying that. So innocently, just quoting what the boy said. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, if she doesn't really know what it means, mom and dad do not use that word around the house. Uh, so it's well, little Bobby's <laughs> house apparently they use yeah, that word, <laughs> or he did anyway at one point. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, that's a great story, Matzik. It is four forty-four at WTMJ. Doctor John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. He is with us in our studio, Doctor Raymond. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks, John. Dr. Raymond, we found out last week, is also a big Ted Lasso fan, as we are here. And Dr. Raymond, did you see that Jason Sudeikis and the rest of the Ted Lasso cast were at the White House yesterday for a big press conference? But about mental health, because that's one of the storylines in Ted Lasso. I did. Actually, my wife pointed it out to me. We're both big Ted Lasso fans. Thanks for asking, Sandy. I think it was great because it really was there to highlight the need for more mental health care and destigmatization of depression. And I think people that have watched Ted Lasso know that he had panic attacks associated with I think, probably his divorce um, and that um, he was very public after he was outed for having the panic attack. And um, I think it's really great that they turned that into an opportunity to highlight the need for mental health care. In such an entertaining way. Yeah. And yeah. that he also just said those basics that we've talked about before is just reach out to people. Yeah. Stay in touch, stay connected mm-hmm. with your friends, and always just don't be shy to ask, hey, are you okay? Such great advice. Yeah, the good life lessons buried in the show are really phenomenal. I want to ask you about spring. It's finally here. It's upon us, which means for many people, allergies, Dr. Raymond, are also here. The sixth leading reason for chronic illness in the United States. 
it's here. It's coming for people. How do folks with allergies cope? What's the best advice as spring approaches and things will start to bloom? Yeah, well, um, a lot of people have problems with runny nose, itchy eyes, uh, congestion, and that's from hay fever, allergic rhinitis. Uh, some people call it vernal catarrh. Mm-hmm. And basically it's from pollen or exposure to grass clippings. And you can prepare yourself with medicines, either um, inhaled or topical steroids that can help, or antihistamines. I think all of us know about those. And you probably should start now because the pollen will be coming out sooner than, than we think. Um, but you can also prepare yourself uh, by thinking about avoiding windy days where the pollen may be stirred up, um, protecting the inside of your house with a HEPA filter, maybe closing the windows and turning on the air conditioner when it gets warm so you don't have the pollen come in. And um, we talked about this before, maybe nasal irrigation with a neti pot um, to sort of flush out the allergens that might cause the, the nasal congestion. Good advice. I have a follow-up question. Is it possible to develop allergies? Because I've heard people say, oh, I don't have allergies at all. Sure. It, but then it's absolutely possible to develop allergies later in your life. Or I had hay fever when I was young and it went away. I had it when I was a little boy, and it was very difficult. And when I got to, like, high school, it diminished, 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 and now I very rarely have any issue. Yeah, that can happen as well. You know, younger people have stronger immune responses, and that applies to mucosal immunity, which can drive the allergic response from hay fever. And as we get older, that tamps down a little bit, and maybe it's more tolerable for you. So as we talk about getting older, Alzheimer's disease seems to be very prevalent and a big risk. But I found this research, and I wanted to ask you if you think it's, it's hopeful it's connecting diet. So there's something called the mind diet, which I'm not familiar with, and the Mediterranean diet, 40% less likely to develop Alzheimer's than those who were not on the diets. Right. So these diets are high in antioxidants, mm-hmm. um, and they're utilized pretty widely. So the study you're talking about showed that by brain imaging, and not by measuring people's functional status, that there were fewer plaques and tangles that had come with uh, Alzheimer's disease detectable on uh, radiographic imaging studies if people ate these diets. And the common factor in both of the diets is leafy green vegetables. So this is kind of a preliminary study. It's association, not cause and effect. But if people are concerned about protecting themselves, one thing that you can do is eat leafy green vegetables. Welcome your kale and your spinach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another important study, Dr. Raymond, showed that spinal cord electrical stimulation can in sometimes after a stroke restore limb function. What do we know about that? Yeah, this is a very surprising study. You know, that people believe that when you have a stroke, the problem is in the brain and that you can't do anything to bypass it. And there was a recent study that showed if you electrically stimulate the spinal cord, you can restore function of an arm. Um, and it really, the results were almost miraculous. And what was even more promising about the results was that after they stopped the electrical stimulation, people still had some of their function restored. So this may be wow. a permanent uh, cure to a really intractable issue with not being able to move a limb after a stroke. That's remarkable. Very promising. I love when technology can come That's to the cool. rescue and, and these ingenious mm-hmm. experiments and solutions. Uh, I did some... Did some homework and uh, flipped through Governor Evers' latest budget proposal, and I noticed that there is the intention to provide money to the Medical College of Wisconsin in a good way to recruit and train psychiatry and behavioral health residents throughout Wisconsin. And residents not being people who live here, but residents being in the medical field. And how much 
benefit would that extra staffing help patients? Um, thank you, Sandy, for giving me the chance to brag about the Medical College of Wisconsin. <laughs> we do great work there. Um, yes, and the the proposed budget from the governor, which obviously is just a proposal, it needs to work its way through the legislative process as well, includes funding to help our two new residencies in northeastern central Wisconsin. They're there to train psychiatrists. And residency is the training that medical students get after they graduate from medical school and before they practice. So we started in 2017 two new psychiatry residencies in northeastern and central Wisconsin, the first two completely immersive, rurally-based residencies in the United States. And so that's training seven new psychiatrists per year for Wisconsin. We've graduated two classes, and what's remarkable is most of the graduates are actually staying here and practicing in the northern part of the state. And there is a shortage of healthcare professionals everywhere, but it's felt more acutely in rural areas than it would be in places like Madison or Milwaukee. So this is um, going to help us with recruiting and training these doctors so that they can provide mental health care in the Northwoods. That's fantastic. That is such important stuff. All right, Dr. Raymond, your good news of the week. Um, my good news of the week um, really is, and this may sound a little interesting, um, yesterday was the spring or the vernal equinox, the day of the year when light and darkness exactly equal each other yes. in terms of the time. It was also the first day of the Persian New Year, which is celebrated by hundreds of millions of people in a non-secular way across the world, in Asia, the Middle East, and even in North America. Um, and I, I learned about this from one of our faculty members. So what I would like to say to everyone, whether you celebrate Persian New Year or not, Mubarak, no ruse, which means I wish you all <laughs> all the happiness and fulfillment you deserve in the coming year. Now, please don't read too much into the it that you deserve part. We wish you happiness. That's so nice. That's it's wonderful. A, this is a bilingual show now. Exactly. Dr. Raymond, thank, thank you so much. Thanks, I love the sentiment. Thanks, That's good Sandy. stuff.